Welcome to the Living Anchored Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Shores Church in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. My name is Scott Lorraine, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and we'd love for you to take a few moments and listen to our most recent sermon. We believe that it will bless your life and help you live a life anchored to Jesus Christ. This morning, we're continuing in in the, the second phase of our Uh, series on rhythms. The first phase was talking about worship. This phase is talking about core values. And I'm, I'm curious, I know some of you have already mentioned it to me, like, wow, you said that phrase like 25 times last week. I even heard it again this morning. What is our first value as a church? Like this part of the room, I, I hear some gold stars over here. Every person, we value every person. And guess what? If you didn't pick it up last week, you're going to pick it up this week because you're going to hear me say it a bunch over and over again today. Because here's the thing is, if we value every person, it's because of value to today, because we value experiencing Christ. Our second value as a church that we're putting forward is experiencing Christ. Because when we experience Christ, we realize the need of a Savior for people, and every person needs to experience Christ. Every person experiencing Christ. But before we jump into that, I want you to repeat with me. Your word is written in my mind. Your word is hidden in my heart. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will seek you with all of my strength. I choose to live my life according to your word. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. When we talk about the idea of experiencing Christ, it is crucial for truly valuing every person. Because if we take experiencing Christ out of the equation, then why should we value every person? Experiencing Christ is what causes us to want, to desire, to value every single person. We as humans love talking about ourselves. Am I right? And some of you, my introverts in the room, you're not going to want to raise your hand on this, but how many of you, you do like talking about yourself or putting things out there of, this is where I went on vacation, or this is, let me show you pictures. It it used to be that you would come home from a family vacation and you'd gather everybody so you could do the slideshow, and you'd be excited about it, because look at what I experienced, and everybody else would look at it and say, when's this done? Now we put it on social media so we can see how many likes we can get and how many people will follow us and look at what we've done. But we like sharing what we've done. We like sharing where we've been. We like sharing who we've met, what we've ate, all these different things that we like sharing our experiences. But it's interesting a lot of times that we don't share our experiences with Christ this quite the same way that we share our experiences on a day-to-day basis. That how many of you could name a really good restaurant that is something you really enjoy eating that you've had a meal at in the last two months. Or you could say, like, I went here and, oh, my goodness, it was amazing. One of my favorite restaurants that, uh, and it's, I don't know, it's been a, several months since Annie and I went there, is Texas Day Brazil. How many of you have ever been to Texas Day Brazil or Brazilian Steakhouse? It is the experience. <laughs> they give you a little card that's either green on one side or red on the other. And they walk around with 
big pieces of meat on skewers. They have a salad bar, which fills you up with stuff that doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I mean, they're walking around with chicken, chicken wrapped in bacon, filet mignon, filet mignon wrapped in bacon, bacon, bacon wrapped in bacon, all these different things, and it's amazing. And so the idea of this card being green or red is that if it's red, they're just going to pass by your table. I say, if I'm experiencing a Brazilian steakhouse, why in the world would I turn my card red? I can tell them, no, I don't want that, but I want to experience all of the bounty of goodness. And I think so often we kind of have this mentality of, like, I can tell you about a meal, but when's the last time that I can tell you about an experience with God that would trump that meal? Because the banquet feast of Christ is going to be much greater than Texas Day Brazil. We can look at things that are in the heavenly realm and say, this is amazing, this is life-changing, this is where everything changed in my life. But we don't talk about it with the same interest or the same excitement that we do a good meal or a great game that we went to or a good movie that we're wa uh, we just watch. We don't have that same excitement sometimes. And let me just say this, that oftentimes I believe the element of valuing every person fades because our time experiencing Christ has decreased. Because we have no stories to tell about Christ. We have no adventures. We have no ability to say, I prayed for this person and they were healed. Or we're telling five years ago stories or ten years ago stories. What's happening in our life right now that makes us experience Christ? That we have a desire and a need and a passion to tell every person. Because here's the interesting thing is the, usually the greatest witness for Christ is somebody who just witnessed Christ. When it is so fresh in your mind what Christ has done for you and where God has taken you from, you want to go and tell everybody. That's why when Annie and I were just talking about the other day that some, between Netflix and Hulu, they have a, a lot of new documentaries about uh, this individual and who killed this individual 20 years ago and they still haven't solved the case. And the farther you get away from it, the harder it is to solve the case. But when everything is fresh in your mind and you're a good witness and you know this is the power of Christ, this is the experience that I have felt, all of a sudden it changes the equation. It changes the way you operate. And all of a sudden you're willing to share Christ in a way that's different. So today what I want to do is I want to walk through Matthew 8. We're going to go through the entirety of the chapter and we're going to talk about some really good, unique experiences that happen in this chapter. Mentioned to you guys a couple of weeks ago, I felt uh, a conviction that I wanted to start, even though I'm reading scripture off of my iPad, I felt very uh, much a conviction to start reading the scripture right out of a hard copy Bible. Nothing right or wrong either way, it's just something that I felt. So if you notice, hey, this is a change, and I'm using a different version. I'm using the ESV instead of the NIRV or the LMNOP. It doesn't really matter, it's God's word. Okay, but just so you're like, wow, he doesn't normally do this. Just a conviction that I felt for, for 2020. So Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 1, and it says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. One of the interesting things here in this passage is that the leper is going directly to Jesus. Now you would think, well, 
he's sick, he needs the healer, what's wrong? That when you had leprosy, when you had a skin disease like this, this isn't a normal practice. He goes against the, uh, the, the way you're supposed to operate. But I think there's a very deliberate, direct reason. And let me just say, this is one of the reasons why reading Scripture in context is key. It's paramount. And when we read Scripture out of context, we can have a lot of danger. When you just simply pull something, one of two things happens. You either read something into Scripture that's not there, or you miss something that is very clearly there. So we're going to jump back for a moment because in the verse 1 we see when he, being Jesus, came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Who are these great crowds? Where is Jesus coming down from the mountain? We jump back into Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus is uh, preaching the um, Sermon on the Mount in this passage. And Jesus says this very specific thing that you probably have heard before. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The leper had just heard Jesus preach this passage, that ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So what's he going to do? Say, oh, wow, I really wish I would have known. No, he goes directly to Jesus. He wants an experience with Jesus. Jesus just said, ask and it will be given, so why not ask? So he goes up in chapter 8 and says this, if you will you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will. This is my will. You will be cleaned. And all of a sudden, his leprosy is immediately cleansed. The thing that I want to challenge us with this morning is that we need to go to Jesus directly. Your faith in Christ is not about me. Your faith in Christ is about your one-on-one relationship with an almighty God who sent Jesus down to earth for you. And he would have done it just for you. It's not about me being the one who's reading scripture. It's about us reading scripture and coming together and worshiping and saying, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to take on the world and win it for Christ? That's what the, the plan is. And if you go to Christ directly, you can experience Christ directly. You don't have to experience Christ through somebody else. You can experience everything that God has for you. As we continue on in Matthew 8, We get to verse 5, and we see this. When he had entered Capernaum, he being Jesus again, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. We see in a growing faith come here. Growing faith, because it's one thing to have faith. Faith says, let me go to Jesus directly. But there is a faith that is growing in this instance. It's not someone saying, well, it could happen. Because I think all of us have experienced it at one time or another. Well, let me pray because it could happen. The centurion had an attitude that says, I know who you are. I know the level of authority. I don't need this special thing to happen. I don't need certain uh, situations to play out. I don't need to read 27 Bible studies, talk with six other Christians, and then flip a coin to see what I'm supposed to do. And so often within Christianity, we do those things of let me read all these Bible studies, let me take in all this information, and I'm going to educate myself, and I'm going to take the best guess. When simply... We have God's word, we have his holy scripture, and we have to approach it and say, God, what have you already told me to do? If we approach it and say, God, what have you already told me? We're waiting for so often for this fresh word, this fresh revelation when we haven't even done anything with what he's already given us. Our faith needs to continue to grow. Part of the way that we can grow is by putting ourselves out there in a difficult situation where only God can come through. If we are living in a comfortable world, we're never going to want to grow. We're never going to want to mature as Christians. The centurion realizes, I don't need to give God this fantastic uh, set of circumstances. Do this, 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 and this, and then I'll follow you. It simply says, I recognize your authority. If you say it, it's going to happen. I will trust you, and I will just do it. And that's what... Jesus loves about this faith is he's willing to go to the house. And the centurion says, no, just say it. I'll trust you. Our faith needs to continue to grow. As our faith grows, it begins to change things in, in our life. Where all of a sudden we start having more and more faith. The more faith you have, the easier it is to have faith in what comes next. The next part of the passage, verse 14 it says, and when Jesus entered Peter's house, and I want to point out something. We, we come in the beginning of this passage where Jesus is on the mountain, and it's very, it's, it's a big crowd who surrounds, surrounds him. Now it comes down to the centurion, and it's out in the community, and now Jesus is entering Peter's house. It's going from a big crowd, and it continues to become more and more personal as the experiences become more and more personal. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever, he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our disease. The third takeaway from this morning's passage in, Rome, or in, Romans, in Matthew 8 is multiplication. You see, a lot of times... We look at growth and we say one plus one is two, two plus one is three, three plus one is four. And we get this growth and it's very slow, it's monotonous, and, but we say it's growing, it's, it's increasing. Multiplication is so much more powerful than addition. 
multiplication in every aspect of our growth with Christ in our spiritual life is so much more powerful than addition. Because obviously we know two times two is four, four times four is 16, 16 times 16, and we can continue this on. It's growing quicker and it's growing faster and there is more power in it because multiplication become, can become a movement where addition is simple survival. We need to multiply because God told us way back in Genesis to be fruitful, multiply, and to subdue the world, to take over the world, to fulfill. This is our call with the gospel. Our call with the gospel is to go out and be fruitful and multiply. We need to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, as we talk about the Great Commission over and over again. And what to me is interesting in this passage is this, that he enters into Peter's mother-in-law's house, he touched her hand, the fever left her, she rose and began to serve him. Because she experienced Christ, because she experienced healing, all of a sudden, things began to change because the way I used to live life is no longer the way that I can continue to live life. I, something needs to change within me. And as soon as that moment happens, we see that evening they brought to Jesus many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out demons. He healed those who were sick. All of a sudden, because of one instance with Peter's mother-in-law, demons were sent out of people diseases were gone, sickness was gone because they were willing to say this experience that she experienced, I want for myself. When we start experiencing Christ ourselves, and we know who Jesus is and we know what he's done for us, it starts changing the way we live. It starts changing the things that we talk about. It starts changing the things that we value. So now we're starting to tell other people about that. And as soon as they see, wow, you were sick with this, you had cancer and, and God healed you, that you, you had all these issues and problems going on and that God came in, that you had financial problems and you kept tithing and then all of a sudden God brought blessing to you, all of a sudden we start sharing how we have experienced God, then that starts piquing the interest of other people. What I, I want to challenge you with is this. Sharing your experiences with Christ will be much more fruitful than sharing why you think everything in the world is wrong. Hear that one again. Sharing your experience with Christ and the power of God is going to be so much more fruitful than you going on, on a list of this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, because the Holy Spirit's going to do that anyways. Holy Spirit is going to begin chiseling things out of people's lives just like he does for your life. But if we start sharing, hey, this is the power of God, this is what God did in my life, then all of a sudden, hey, I've got this problem. Do you think God can do that for me? Absolutely, I think God can do that for you. And then all of a sudden, God comes in and starts changing the equation, changing the situation, and then they realize, wow, if this God is real, what else does this God have to say? Let me read his scripture. Let me read his word. And oh, I need to stop doing this and stop doing that. Well, if God has already come through for me here, then I need to do this. So often we make everything about us when we think every person, let me just challenge you with something. When we value every person, that means we value every person who looks like us and every person who doesn't look like us. That means we value every person who roots for our, our favorite team and every person who roots for our rival. That we root for every person, whether they're on our political party or not on our political party, or they hate politics. Here's the thing, is your biggest 
enemy, frustration, person out there that drives you up the wall, news anchor, politician, athlete, I don't care who they are. God created them, God loves them, and God desires for them to be in heaven. So before you go on and rant about that person, have you prayed for them? Because if you're ranting about them, and God's saying, would somebody reach them, we've got a problem. Before you start saying, wow, like this person, they just need to get out of office, they need to get out of this, or they need to say, I pray that God would send a Christian who would get around them and would influence them that would radically change and transform their life so all of a sudden their entire message of the past goes away and they start preaching Jesus. How much more powerful would that be? When we value every person, we share our experiences with Christ so that they experience Christ so that they'll go and tell every person. We need everybody involved in order to make this happen. I'm going to skip verses 18 through 22 for a second. I'm going to come back to those. Don't worry. It it has a point at the end of the the passage today. But verses uh, 23 through 27 say, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? O you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Just like we need to continue growing in our faith, let me say this. There's always room for growth. There's always room for growth in your life with with God. If you have arrived, you either are wrong or you are now in heaven. Seeing how all of you are right here in this room with me today, if you believe you've arrived, you're wrong. Because we all have a journey. Even this morning, as I was rereading this in preparation to preach this morning, I have, in this passage, I underlined every time Jesus spoke and read, and I look at it of, why are you afraid, oh, you have little faith? And God even hit me again this morning as I was reading through this one more time, of just saying, there is moments where... I know how God has provided. But then you can look at it and say, like, well, God, I need you to show up. I need you to do this. I need you to take care of this. When are you going to do this, God? And, and God just clearly spoke to me even this morning of saying, why are you afraid? You have little faith. And it hit me because it's easy looking at this passage and saying, well, yeah, the disciples just saw the, the leper healed. They just saw the centurion come with his faith. They just saw everything with Peter's mother-in-law and everybody who was demon-possessed that was set free and those who needed healing being set free. And now they're worried about a storm. The author of, uh, of eternity, the, the creator of life, has just done all these amazing miracles and now you're worried about some water. You're worried about some water. Do you think the boat's really going to sink with Jesus on the boat? When we think about that, it's like, I've got God on my side, but he's asleep in the bottom of the boat right now. We're going down. And Jesus says, why are you afraid, you of little faith? There is great things that are in store for you. I've got great things. Trust me, there's always room for growth in our life. There's always room for more experiences with Christ because the more we experience Christ, the more that we grow. The more that we grow, the more we want to experience Christ. The more that we experience Christ, the more we want to tell every person. 
and it changes the equation. When we start valuing every person, we realize we need more experiences with Christ. When we experience more of Christ, we start valuing every person more. We then move into verse 28, and this is where things begin to, to turn in this, uh, this chapter. And when he came to the other side, to the country of uh, the, the country of the Gerardines, two demon-possessed men met, met him coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Here you come, or have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged them, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going to the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave the region. The next thing I want to point out this morning is this. Not everyone who hears will receive. And that's a sad thing. Not everyone who hears will receive, but here's the thing that I want to challenge you with. This is the thing I want to put back in your court. It's not up to you whether they receive or not. Think at a Christmas time, if you give a gift to somebody, you're the one who's giving the gift. The gift is Jesus. If you're giving it, it's not up to you whether the person opens the gift or not. It's up to you to give the gift. It's up to you to share, to, to say this is who Jesus is. It's up to them whether they open it. It's, it's on them. But if we trust and believe that the Holy Spirit can do the same thing the Holy Spirit has done for us, then we believe that I'm going to keep giving the gift. I'm going to keep giving it. I'm going to keep giving it because sooner or later I believe they're going to open it. But it's not up to us. When we look at this passage, we see, again, yet another miracle, yet again, individuals experiencing Christ being set free. When we look at the parallel passage to this in Mark 5, 1 through 20, we see that uh, the, the demons identify themselves as legion. When we look at the Roman times, a legion is approximately 5,000, and I know this is going to sound really uh, kind of wishy-washy, but give or take a 1,000. So it could kind of go anywhere between about 3,000 to 6,000. When you said a legion, it was multiple thousands. So we have demons that are identifying themselves as legion, as multiple thousands in the parallel passage. And we see in that same passage that it was 2,000 pigs. So the demons see Jesus approaching. And before Jesus can go to them, the demons realize the power that Christ has. And they approach him and say, what are you doing here? It's not your time. Because it's up to Jesus to be their judge, jury, executioner, that there's a lake of fire that they're going to one day. And they're, they're saying, why are you here now? What are you going to do? Are you going to punish us now? Well, if you're going to get rid of us, throw us into the pigs. It seems uh, appropriate that you have a legion of demons and 2,000 pigs. So let's just say that there's two demons per pig. And they, they all want to go in, and then the pigs run off the cliff and jump into the water. And what's interesting is, I was reading and studying, is this. Pigs can actually swim. Pigs can swim. The demons sunk the pigs. 
And when we look at this, this is what's so interesting, is that when the, the herdsmen left, they went to the city, they told everything that had happened, and there's a particular, the, the way it's written is this, uh, happened, I'm sorry, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. There is an emphasis on what happened to the demon-possessed men because they were causing problems. They were causing issues for the town. And those individuals who are demon-possessed are now free. Imagine if you went home today and there, in the entryway into your neighborhood, there were two individuals who had been chained up for quite some time and they were demon-possessed and they greeted you every time you pulled into your street. Now, think about this. For a moment, you'll be like, I'd, I'd be glad if they were no longer demon-possessed. I, I was thinking about moving anyways. It's not Halloween anymore. I don't want this. It's almost Easter. We've got, we got a couple of weeks to go, but let's just go with it's almost Easter because it's warm and spring and all that. But they were concerned about something different. There's 2,000 pigs that just died. Now, I don't know what the value per pig is back in biblical times, but let's just for a moment approach this of what the pigs would be worth in today's dollars. That depending on the quality of the pig that you purchase, because apparently show pigs can get quite pricey, that show pigs, believe it or not, can go anywhere between $500 and $1,000 a pig. The lowly pig that you'll find at your really bad grocery store that's really fatty can go for about $100 a pig. So let's just use kind of a range between $100 a pig and $500 a pig. This herd of pigs in today's dollars would be equivalent to $200,000 to $1 million worth of pigs. The people have put a price tag that the money on these pigs is more important than these two poor men's souls. They were demon-possessed. And you're saying that the money from the pigs that God created in the first place is more important than these two men. They weren't valuing every person because they weren't experiencing Christ. When we experience Christ, we value every person. It has to be what we're about. It has to be what we're, we're putting first and foremost in our life. That if we continue to allow things of this world to have more value than people, then we're going to cease experiencing Christ because, well, why do we need to do that? But if we keep experiencing Christ, we'll always be valuing every person. I want to go back now, and for a moment, this is verse 18. This is the part of the passage that I skipped because we can look at this and we can say, that's great, that's fantastic, that's awesome. We should value every person. We, sh we should experience Christ, but what's it going to cost me? You see, in the end of chapter 8, we see this is that it costs those people all their pigs. It costs them some money. But when we look at verse 18, we see some additional costs that come into play. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Pastor Nick and I were talking as we were doing our run through, making sure all the scriptures were, were right. That last part of that passage, the follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead, has always kind of hit me. It's just, it's such a harsh statement, like, 
can I just go to my, my dad's funeral before I come and follow you? I will, I will sell out my entire life for you. I will do whatever you want me to do. But Jesus is being so particular here of, of saying, you need to follow me and do what I say. Imagine a, a loved one that you care so much about. Let's say that they pass away and it's time for the funeral and then all of a sudden God told you clearly through the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to go to the funeral today because I need you over here. Think about that for a moment. Would you be willing to do it? Would you be willing to skip your mother's funeral, your spouse's funeral, your dad's funeral, your child's funeral? I'm intentionally, I want to put this here because this is what Jesus is saying. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. That he's saying to the, the scribe, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's saying, this is not an easy life. You're not going to necessarily get to take your favorite pillow wherever you go. I may call you to go here. I may call you to be a missionary in the most remote place in Africa. And you're going to leave all the comforts behind. Are you willing to do it? The very things that you care about most, the things that you're passionate about most, your own family, are you willing to leave those things if I call you to leave those things so that you can do what I want you to do because I need you to experience me. I need you to experience the power of God because I need you to value every person. Over and over and over again, we need to value every person experiencing Christ and putting him first and foremost in everything that we do. Now, here's how I, I want to end today. And you'll notice, oh, this is a little bit earlier than you normally end. It's because I want to have some intentional altar time here. So don't look at this as saying, wow, we're, we're done almost 10 or 15 minutes earlier. I'm going to have the worship team come forward right now. Because I want us to spend some time intentionally experiencing Christ. I know that there's some of you in the room today that there is, you or someone in your family needs healing. I want you to come forward, no matter how easy, no matter how hard it is. If you need to come forward and you need to sit on the uh, first pew, then absolutely do that. But I want you to come forward believing in that we could experience Christ this morning. I know for some of you may be sitting here like, I've never even heard this whole thing about Jesus before. Jesus wants to have an experience with you today. Come forward, and I want you to say these simple things as God I have not lived for you. I've made all kinds of mistakes, but I need you desperately in my life. Say it in your own words, but it's with a heart that says, you know what, God, I am putting you first and foremost in everything. For some of you, it's that baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked about it a couple months ago, and you say, hey, I've never experienced it. Maybe today could be your day. It could be some other issue altogether, but let me just challenge you with something, is we need fresh experiences with God on a consistent basis. And if we don't have them, then we have nothing to share with other people. And if we have nothing to share with other people, then we're no good to them. We need to value every person. And in the process of valuing every person, we need to value our experiences with Christ so that we can bring freshness to those that we come in contact with. That way you can say, hey, yesterday at church, this happened for me. This was exciting. This was encouraging. And let me share it with you so that they might ask that question of, could God do that for me? Absolutely. And then you can start sharing what his scripture says. And you can start encouraging them. You can start challenging them. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's gonna begin working on them. And you say, well, there's no hope for that person. There's no hope on their own, but there is hope when Christ is involved. 
So this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to open these altars. I want anybody who needs prayer for anything. We're not going to have this formal, like, this, this section over here is this, and this section's over here is this. If you need prayer in a moment, I'm just going to have you come right up here. And, I, and if you want to, you can start coming right now. Start coming right now. And I want you to begin seeking God. And as we pray and as we worship, if God places it on your heart to come up and to pray for one of the people who can come forward, come and pray. You don't need to know what it's about. You just need to know that this person needs a desperate experience with God this morning. And whatever God leads you through the Holy Spirit to pray with them, over them, we're just going to believe and trust. It's exactly what they need to hear. So if you would just right now stand with me as we worship. And if you need to come forward and you need prayer for anything, come forward now. Thank you for joining us today on the Living Anchored Podcast. If this message impacted you, please remember to follow so you can see all of our content in the future and share on social media so other people can have their life impacted as well. Our mission at the Shores Church is to help people live a life anchored to Jesus Christ. So your help will definitely help us accomplish our goal. If you're interested in helping support our church financially, please go to theshoreschurch.org, click on Give, and you'll be able to do so that way. Have a blessed and incredible day, and we look forward to having you with us next time.